Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is Kevin Warmhall. Thanks for joining me once again. I'm excited to have you all here to listen. Uh, if you have not yet done it, go to the YouTube channel, American Liberty Podcast YouTube channel, and hit the little bell. Subscribe to the show. It's free. doesn't cost nothing. You get bonus videos. You can watch it throughout the week. There's other videos that are already up there. I think there's like 27, 28 videos. I started the channel a few months ago, and I'd like to show everybody who I'm talking to, and you can watch the actual interviews happen. Uh, we do the live stream on Friday nights. Um, that date might change. I might move to a different day during the week. I'm, I'm contemplating that uh, at this time, but for right now, Friday nights, it comes live streams, and then Sunday, the audio version, Sunday night audio version becomes available for the week, so everybody who's going to work and driving in to listen to this podcast um that's the way i've been doing it i may change it in the future but uh so far it's been working out great um today's guest is great guest uh her name is debbie aldrich she has her own periscope show she has her own podcast uh we talk a lot of hot topics right now we talk about san francisco labeling the nra as a terrorist organization which is absolutely bananas uh walmart uh the removal of assault weapons from the shelves and and the uh, ammunition, certain types of ammunition. We also talk about the tariffs, trade war, the Taliban, and the cancel meeting uh, with uh, President Trump. Uh, we get into a lot of stuff. A little different than the normal show. Um, it's not a political candidate, but she did at one time run uh, back in 2017 for a House uh, seat. So she is a politician as well. So fits right into the show and... Oh, I hope you enjoyed it. I had a great discussion. We talked for a long time, and it was I had a blast having her on. She's awesome. So please, ladies and gentlemen, Debbie Aldrich. We are live here on the American Liberty Podcast. Thank you. Today I'm joined by Debbie or Deborah Aldrich. Thank you for joining me. She's from the Deborah Aldrich Show. Um Welcome to American Liberty. Uh, thank you for having me, Kevin. And please call me Debbie, and I go by Debbie Aldridge. Um, for some reason, it, it typed in Deborah on uh, Skype. So Debbie Aldridge is great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining. And I've watched a couple of your shows, and uh, I see where you stand on issues, and that's why I'm like, you know what? I want I want to bring her on the show. I'd like to have a discussion. To, you know, me myself, um, I'm libertarian, uh, but not in. I guess I get a lot of flack because I'm not 100% libertarian. So some libertarians mm -hmm. don't agree with everything I say. Um, but uh, I like a lot of what you have to say. And uh, you make a lot of great points in the show. And I would like you first tell us about your show and, um, you know, what, how, how do you even get involved in doing a podcast or a radio show? Um, well, I'll see if I can say that in the capsule. I actually studied journalism in college. And I did write for a small paper. This is many, many, many years ago. <laughs> and uh, at the time, there were uh, many women in broadcasting and in journalism. And where I was living, there weren't too many opportunities. So eventually I got out of it and went on to do other things and went to work as a government contractor, went and lived overseas in the Middle East for four years in Saudi Arabia for McDonnell Douglas um, in personnel support services. Had a great time, traveled the world. I grew up as a military brat, so I had traveled the world growing up, and this was just another extension. So morphing to where I am today, um, I often say I'm like Madonna, I keep reinventing myself. So 
<laughs> I've had multiple careers uh, as a mother, tried to do things that allowed me to also be with my children, raising my children. I have a, a daughter and a son, and I worked for the school district for nine years and then worked for the airlines for a number of years as well uh, until I had an injury. So in 2015, I ended up having back surgery. I have four screws in my back and both shoulders after an on-the-job injury with the airlines. I did work on the plane as a flight attendant. A great job, by the way. I also get beat up a lot about that on social media. <laughs> but hey, it was probably one of the best jobs I ever had. I loved it. Uh, I got to keep traveling, which is in my blood and my veins. Uh, love it. So when I had the surgery... October 9th of 2015, that was also the time when President Trump was kicking off mm. his campaign. And I laid in bed recovering in a hospital bed. And I, I'm antsy. I don't like to not do anything. So I started writing. Uh, and then I also told my husband in that January of 2016, I said, I'm hitting the road. I'm going to go to these rallies because I'm not sure of what the media is saying about the attendance. Mm -hmm. You know, it just seems so unbelievable. Now, years ago, I also was in real estate, one of the other jobs I had. I had that for a long time, commercial real estate. So I had read his book and I followed his career. Successful businessman. Why wouldn't you, you know, um, in real estate? So Anyway, I as I uh, was writing and I got a couple articles picked up and then I started traveling the country, went to the rallies, I just was like blown away. I ended up going to seven rallies throughout the country with a lot of ibuprofen, <laughs> <laughs> traveling the country uh, to these events. I met people online, they saved me space and I just thought, wow, this is, this is a phenomenon. I'd right. never seen anything like it. Literally 18, 20,000 people in line. A lot of them couldn't get in to hear this man speak, who was different from anything we'd ever seen in a political race, in a political campaign. And he was also, you know, once a Democrat, and he was pushing back against policies that he no longer could support that the Democrats, you know, had gone so far left. And so the rest is history. But that led me then to meeting people online and starting a podcast. So I started a podcast. I didn't know anything about this online streaming, you know. Uh, and then that from the podcast, people started introducing me to live streaming. And I got involved in that. And I worked hard in building a platform. So from that, here I am today. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, a grind. it's a grind. It's a grind. It's a grind. You know, you got to keep at it. And you know, it, it's rewarding because you see, like, as your audience grows, you're like, wow, I got to keep going. I can't stop. But you realize that when you talked about the, uh, you said the T word, a lot of people that are have listened, heads exploded. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Of course. That always does. <laughs> so that uh, that causes a lot of rift and, and yeah. causes a lot of um, what I like to call the tribalism mentality that mm. you can't, you know, because you support. All right. So where I stand on it. it I want him to be successful no matter what. I don't yeah, care. You know, like you don't want him to fail because if he fails, the country fails. I do not agree with everything he does or says. I do agree with some things he does and says, and some of the policies that he's put in. The economy's really strong. The tariffs, you know, we'll we'll get into that a little bit, but um, it 
things aren't crumbling down like they said. They said it, once he wins the election, this country's going to blow up. He's going to hit nuclear buttons. Yeah. And in fact, he's actually uh, more libertarian in the sense that he's trying to bring troops home. That's been right. his mission since you know he wanted to bring troops from home for, from Afghanistan. Um, and, he has uh, shaken up both parties, right. the Republican and, and the Democratic Party, and they don't know how to deal with it. Right. And if you just and I've said this to people before, Kevin, if you just okay, if you don't like how he says things, don't listen. If you don't like how what he tweets, don't read the tweets. Look at the policies that are being done, the jobs, the historic jobs in the African-American community, Hispanic community, which I'm half Hispanic, by the way, um, the, you know, the things that he's doing here at home and also, once again, celebrating our military, which I'm also a military brat. So my father died serving this country many years ago. My children never got to know their grandfather. That's how long ago it was. So um, most of my nieces and nephews never got to know their grandfather. So it's it's really sad. We've missed him for a long time. There are many others who have died for this country and we need to celebrate those people. Right. And I lived through 9-11. I just told you I worked the airlines for a number of years. Listen, 9-11 changed my life mm -hmm. in so many ways and I changed so many other people's lives. Um, the whole mentality of the country shifted after that because it, that, it was no longer you could just stroll through the airport and travel at ease without having that in the back of your mind. And, you know, now some people will take that idea and shift it over to the gun debate. OK, so because now we have um, increased uh, what they say, mass shootings in schools and mm -hmm. in public places. But the, the way that it's being portrayed and, and, and they're trying to solve the problem is by just making a blank statement. We need to take the guns away. We need to stop sales of guns. They're not addressing the key issue. They want the right. issue to stay a hot topic. So rather than actually address the issue, because the Democrats hold the House right now. So if they really wanted to fix the problem and put bills forth to fix the problem, they can. But they just want to say, take the guns away. There's a big problem with mental health issues in this country and access to these guns and how that that's the discussion we need to have and not... Let's just take everybody's Second Amendment rights away. There's got to be another way to address it. And if you don't open up to a discussion with them and agree with them, then you're the enemy and we can't talk. And the Republicans are, you know, are awful people and want to see kids get killed. That's not the truth. Mm -hmm. Both sides need to come together and actually have a discussion about what the key problem is. Um, you know, San Francisco has labeled the NRA as a terrorist organization, mm -hmm. that's a democratic run city. It's been a democratic city forever and beautiful on the outside. But if you go walking through the streets of San Francisco, you're stepping on needles and feces and urine and yeah. homeless people everywhere. So when it comes to this policy, city where a lot of environmental uh, environmentalists, tree huggers live, by the way, the pitas of the world and the tree huggers and the save the frog. So farmers can't water their farms and lose their crops. I mean, all these things. And yet they have allowed these tent cities and uh, disease infest infested areas. We're going to see, I'm sure, more diseases pop up um, with, you know, there's trash on the street. San Francisco 
the residents complained so much they had to form a poop squad mm. where they actually went around the streets with pooper scoopers for human feces as well as make these steam machines that go up and down alleyways and roads cleaning human waste. How unbelievable is that? What century are we living in? These are not necessarily so-called homeless people. A lot of them are young people. They are living in a homeless situation, but they have been almost, I don't know, pushed into drug use. And yes, there's a lot of mental health issues that we have not dealt with for decades. Right. But, it was you know, a self-medicate, self-medicate, self-medicate. and mm-hmm. take care of yourself. Good luck to you because Big Pharma, which is something I talk about a lot, has that, you know, the profit. They, 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 they could help these people and bring them to facilities and maybe bring them back to, they'd rather just throw prescriptions at them. And, you know, it's all about money with the uh, mental health, in, in my opinion. Um, and Big Pharma. And then we know, too, that China laced, uh, you know, extra strong fentanyl. Um, yeah. and, and that got p- people addicted uh, listen, I told you I had back surgery. I am allergic to morphine and codeine, so I can't take really any strong narcotics. Wow. So um, I had two C-sections with Tylenol. Tylenol through the IV is much stronger than by a tablet. So after my back surgery, and I'm talking four screws in my back, um, I, as I came out of anesthesia, I said to the charge nurse, take me off the uh, Dilaudid. And, you know, I I get really sick on narcotics. I'm not allergic to that, but because of my allergies to other narcotics, I get really sick. So I said, get me a ton on. She said, you'll never get up and walk. I said, I promise you, I'll be fine. Folks, we got to like toughen up a little bit, okay? So if I can do it, most people can. I got the ton on the IV within a couple hours after the narcotics were out of my system. I was up walking and I never, never stopped. And they told me the girl next door who was much younger than me hadn't gotten out of her bed for over a day. Right. It, it creates, so, they yeah. want you to be dependent on it because it, it's a it's a profit push, you know. Right. Um, but now, do you think people realize that what's happening in San Francisco, San Francisco creating this bill, this is just a political dog and pony show, this bill. Um, it is. It's just to make headline news. Oh, look what we're doing. Guns are bad. What do you think? Do you think the people of the country really see that as, you know, a legitimate bill? I think they I look mean, at it as a joke. Of course, the left, all the left and the, the snowflakes in the basement dwellers and all the trolls that go on social media, you know, are, are I'm sure cheering. But anybody, there's actually quite a few Democrats who are NRA members. Right. And many have been in the past. So, you know, it, it, and here's the other thing. They just don't uh, like to come out and say it. They, they, they kind not. of just stand in the background. It's God not bit, PC. If they say it, they get attacked. It's right. like, that's it. The career is done. Exactly. It's not PC. It, um, you know, throughout Europe, and if you look at the UK and Australia, they, they did not have a, confisca- a confiscation of guns. They had a voluntary buyback. A lot of people did not do it because they knew that, you know, they wanted their guns for hunting or for self-protection. They're trying this in, in uh, New Zealand too. But I've had a lot of people debate this with me about guns from the UK and other countries. So here are the facts. The facts are those countries, including Australia, as big as the landmass may be, as population, they're like a fifth. 
to a third to a fifth our size. And we have around 340 million people in this country. We probably have, you know, about equal amount of legal guns in this country. Not every citizen here or person in this country owns guns, but a lot of gun owners are collectors and have multiple guns for many things. So we know we have a huge amount of guns. So confiscating guns is pie in the sky. It's never going to happen. Getting rid of our Second Amendment is never going to happen. Um, when you look at the actual amount of mass shootings, which is what San Francisco is kind of basing this on, and then we look at the Walmarts and the other stores that are jumping on the bandwagon, only 7% of all mass shootings uh, had any ties to the NRA or even legally owned were legally owned guns. That's actually the statistic. NRAs, I don't think there's ever been a member of the NRA that has created a uh, or has caused a mass shooting. Uh, the statistic is 77% is that legally owned guns. Right. The, the NRA was developed to be in 1871 an education um, organization for firearms, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it became a premier organization throughout the world in firearm safety. So, no, they're not promoting going out there and killing people. It's now when you say firearm safety, um, criminals are going to commit crimes regardless if guns are legal or not. The right. point of the Second Amendment was to protect for the citizens to have the ability to protect itself against a totalitarian government, an overreaching government. That was the initial thought of the founding fathers. Um, and to keep a well-regulated militia. And also, you know, people have, that is in our blood as a country, and it's just not going to go away. Beto O'Rourke has been running around saying he's going to force you to sell your guns back. Confiscation. That, that, that is a dangerous word, to, to use the word force. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody from the government wants to use the word, I'm going to force you to do this, people get really pissed off, and it's just going to make things worse. They don't want to address the key issue of, like we said, mental health. Um, you know, people who have, there's a lot of indicators prior to these shootings that are just missed. Uh, we don't need red flag laws because right. the red flags have been there. And you have to look at um, Nicholas Cruz at Parkland. Right. Uh, you look at, and I went and interviewed a lot of those parents and children after I've, Parkland. I, um, talked, I talked to Andrew Pollock on this podcast, and he told me the things that this kid did, punched his mother's teeth out, was oh, shooting yeah. animals in the street. I'm like, that's a big red flag, and it didn't stop him from doing anything. For so, over a year, the FBI had information on him. The school kicked him out of the school for this reason. So there were so many red flags there. Even the family he was living with had a lot of concerns. So who failed here, really? Right. And and that's, uh, by the way, a Democratic district. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the police, uh, you know, Sheriff Israel... Um, he was a big Hillary supporter, by the way, and the the uh, congressman, uh, Ted Deutsch, there is a, a Democratic congressman there. And I have not seen, and we actually have a home right six miles from Parkland. Um, I have not seen much change. And Andrew Pollock told me face to face, um, nothing has gotten any better. Things are not changing. This is in Ted Deutsch's district. What is going on? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And if you look at um, Chicago, 
highest mm-hmm. murder rate in the country, mm-hmm. inner city Chicago. They're not legal guns they're using, no. they're illegal guns. So when the Democrats can c- clean up their own cities of um, shootings and gun violence and everything and confiscate those guns, uh-huh. then maybe we can sit down and have a conversation. But until they can do that in their Demeron cities that have the highest murder rate, the highest rate of violence, like Baltimore, Ferguson, St. Louis, LA, um, you know, Chicago, the mm-hmm. list goes on and on. Then let's sit down and have a powwow about this. But until they clean up their own backyard, there's no discussion. You're and not you know, going to take our guns away. I, I don't know if you saw what uh, Lori Lightfoot, the new mayor of Chicago, put out. Because people have been bringing this issue yes. up saying, look at Chicago's statistics. Okay. She she puts out the amount of guns that were recovered, confiscated uh, during arrest or whatever, and what states they came from, where they tracked to. And she wanted to point out that there, some of them came from Texas, Indiana, Republican-run states. That's That was her argument. But then the, the counter-argument is, Okay, so the guns came from that state, but what's the murder rate in those states? The people that live there that are gun-owning citizens of those states aren't running around the streets shooting at each other. You know, Indiana, there's no gang violence, you know, to the extreme of Chicago. So her argument was these guns are coming from red states. Okay, uh, and they're brought so back to Chicago illegally. Yeah, right. so they were brought stolen back to guns. Chicago illegally and used illegally, not legally by legal citizens, you know, with licenses or... Detroit did this uh, a couple years ago. Their violence was through the roof. They actually increased the amount of uh, concealed carry permits to the citizens of the city, and the, the rate crime rates went down. Because now it's in the mind of the perpetrator, am I going to try to take this woman's purse and she's going to be packing? Mm, maybe I shouldn't. You know, It brings that deterrent. There's no deterrent in a city where it's gun-free zone everywhere. Because you're telling everybody... If you want to commit some sort of crime or some sort of shooting, nobody here has a gun. You know, have at it. Gun-free zones, are, uh, these big signs aren't going to stop criminals. And that is just, you know, once again, the way the left uh, puts a Band-Aid on the problem without actually addressing the problem. Absolutely. And if you think about it, not far from San Francisco is San Bernardino. How soon people forget about San Bernardino and the people that died there. Had somebody in there had a concealed carry, maybe they could have thwarted so many people dying uh, in a a surprise attack in San Bernardino. And and we see the left because of this trigger, uh, everything is triggered with them. It's like, you know, a, a soundbite triggers something. Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Instead of thinking this through. So what is San Francisco doing? They are creating more soft targets for the criminals now to um, go in and, and hurt more people. They're naming the NRA a terrorist organization, which has no, nothing tied to terrorists whatsoever. It's absolutely un-American. It is um false and you know i it's just unbelievable it's terrible so here's the reality now we have people lobbying stores like walmart to 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 stop selling firearms and to not allow uh concealed carry or open carry in their uh stores they don't want guns in their stores they're going to stop selling uh 
ammo other than I think um, hunting. I think it is hunting ammo. So right. what are they doing? So here's a statistic. There are 11 Walmarts. So Walmarts call the police almost more than any other store. Right. So last year, 11 Walmarts in Jacksonville, Florida. Do you know how many times of those, all those 11 combined, how many times the police were called just last year? I'm it's sure, astounding. I'm sure hundreds because, or maybe thousands. thousands. 6,000 yeah. times the police were called to Walmarts in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. So the police now are going to have to double up since now Walmart's making themselves a soft target, the mm -hmm. police are going to be doubled up. They, they built a brand new uh, Walmart not far from our home in South Florida. And I was really happy because where I'm living now, we have Walmarts, but we don't have these problems because we live in a, a fairly, you know, I don't know, suburban kind of community. And that Walmart such, uh, very quickly became a target for crime mm. and every i don't even go to it anymore when we're there it's like the last couple years every time i go to walmart they even act like costco you know hey you have to show your re receipt right. people leaving walmart now have except they always kind of pass me through but they're always checking most people's receipt but the police are always there there's always some incident and i just finally told my husband i'm not coming here anymore Right. This is ridiculous. And that's what's going to happen. I don't want to be a soft target. Right. Now, <laughs> the open carry, states that have a, a open carry rules, they're telling those people, we would want you not to come in with your firearm. Now, as a, as a looking from the outside in, Walmart is a private company. It's owned yeah. by shareholders. And they're at the interest of stockholders or whatever. But... Uh, this is going to hurt their bottom line because I believe that a big base of mm -hmm. their customers are tend to lean a little bit to the right uh, on issues like this. Um, it, it's going to hurt their bottom line now. Do you think it's going to continue to hurt it overall through, over time or do you think people get amnesia real quick and just kind of, okay, this is what they do now. This is the I think the left is trying to make it normal for everything, like that this is the right. way things have to be. Well, they pressure. They play the pressure right. game. And they intimidate and pressure these companies. We, they're, they're trying to, uh, the, the store, the other store that is um, wanting to, is changing their policies is Kohl's. Uh, and let's see, there's there's also, there there's a cry for Publix and some of these other stores to um, put these policies in place. So it's all this pressure uh, campaign against mm -hmm. these stores. But I think it will, especially Walmart, that has a history in different parts of the country of attracting a lot of people that possibly may have some criminal or, you know, kind of uh, behavior that constantly are having the police called. So, you know, whether it's shoplifting or something else. So I think it could really hurt Walmart. And like you said, there's still a lot of people in middle America and throughout the country that shop Walmart because their prices, you know, are very affordable and they do have these super Walmarts and, and things like that. So I think it could really hurt them because they're alienating a huge part of the population. Right. And I hopefully 
the other thing is that they will understand that this this uh, this campaign is going to set them up. Why do people want to go to Walmart now if 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 everyone knows that now they're soft targets? And, and it's it's a it's an attack again on private industry. Uh, the left always yeah they have about, a right to do it. Right. What you said, they have a right to right. do it, but, but it doesn't but make this sense. Is, but this is like uh, it, it's being targeted not just at them, Equinox in California. Uh, it, it, the Equinox is a gym. Now, the CEO that. or the owner donated money to Trump's campaign, and now there's a boycott Equinox because he tends to support his campaign. The entire left is, you need to boycott them. You can't spend money there. Don't go to the gym. They're standing out and protesting. You know, Chick-fil-A opens up a new place in Canada. There's people protesting there. It's all about protesting and trying to shut down their business because they don't agree with certain policies. Uh, and that's also... about Christians. And so Christians are getting targeted right. and the, the Chick-fil-A thing. And so San Antonio City Council uh, will not allow a Chick-fil-A in the airport, even though the demand is there. So Detroit, which is very liberal, and I fly, I'm flying all the time around the country. I go through Detroit a lot. The, the line in the Detroit airport for Chick-fil-A is so long. Yeah. So you're providing it's, it's, jobs. It's delicious. It's, it's delicious. It's, a, it's chicken. <laughs> right. it's, they're not sitting there reading you Bible verses, oh. for heaven's sakes. Um, they're not trying to convince people to be gay or not gay or whatever, you know, it, it's it, they're selling chicken sandwiches that people love and they have healthy alternatives as well. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, we saw with this the with the Hobby Lobby. We saw this to go yeah. on with Hobby yeah. Lobby, targeting Hobby Lobby. And this is the same kind of targeting that the left does. If 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 they're not out forcing or hurting anybody. Why can't they believe what they want to believe? This this is where my libertarianism comes in. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I have my beliefs. You have your beliefs. I'm not going to tell you how you should live your life. Don't tell me how to live my life. As long as I'm not out there hurting people, committing crimes, stealing things, you know, forcing people to do things that they don't want to do, then everybody should be able to get along. But there's this narrative that if you do not align with the left, you are evil and you must be punished. And the punishment is going after businesses going after sponsors like uh, Tucker Carlson on uh, Fox. They went after his sponsors because they don't agree with the way he says things. But, but Kevin, we're the, we're the violent ones. I was going to say, now, <laughs> these are the same people that are also supporting Antifa. I'm saying, uh, Chris Cuomo said on CNN one time about, well, they, they have every right to protest and, you know, they're good for them. Like, no, they're, they're smashing people with rocks and hammers and, you know, it's they're violent people. They're, yeah. Oh, it, it drives me crazy. Well, the violence goes on and on. I mean, we look at Maxine Waters. He was calling for people to go after people in Trump's right. administration and harassing them and, you know, get into their faces and everything. Well, that actually did happen. So who are the violent people here? Folks really need to wake up because I tell you, like I said, I went to seven Trump rallies. Um, I've been around a lot of people involved in the Trump movement and stuff. I wanted to go to see for myself. I never saw one violent, not one violent word said or action other than people that had to be thrown out because they snuck in there, but they were anti-Trump. So this narrative is so false, mm -hmm. such a lie by the left to uh, fear mongering and, and, and these tactics. And who does that? Right. Who fear mongers? 
you know, who did all the fear mongering prior to the Holocaust and prior to uh, the fall, uh, you know, of, of uh, Germany and, and Europe? So I spent, you know, I lived in Europe growing up. That's a communist tactic. That is a leftist, that is a Marxist tactic, fear-mongering, mm-hmm. uh, pressure, false narratives, things like that. And that's fear, what the left is doing. Fear fear is constantly used uh, in politics in, like to get something accomplished. And they, you see with the uh, the four horsemen or uh, the big four that the, the president likes to say, um, you know, that is a different type of Democrat. I don't think they're Democrat at all. They run Democrat. Uh, AOC. Talking about is, the squad. <laughs> yeah, the squad. Uh, like AOC's from New York, and uh, you know, I know that I used to live actually no in the Marxist. district. She, it's really? it's completely different. Even older Democrats do not like where the party is going, so they but need to do something. They're scared they need, of them. Clint, Bill Clinton, because when he main, was president, because mainstream media has given yes. them a platform. Yes, they did this. Bill Clinton had a lot of the same conservative things that Donald Trump has pushed over these last couple of years. He's said the same things. Chuck Schumer has said the same things, but because this new generation... And Obama said up, some of the same things. Right. And everybody gets... Amnesia is like uh, real contagious in politics, I've noticed. But something that we're... I don't know if we're going to agree on uh, the China tariff war, okay? I, I believe in the free market 100%. I believe that people should be able to exchange things with each other without having the government always have to put their hands in the pot and dictate, you know, the percentages and taxes and whatnot. Um, the taxes going away realistic? No, they're not. I get it. There needs to be, you know, there's certain things that we need. Uh, but the tariff war, and I do a lot of traveling as well, and I do a lot through the Midwest. I'm always flying into Midway, O'Hare, and Chicago, and then I travel uh, locally over there. But uh, there's a lot of farms in the Midwest, and that was what gave Trump his mm-hmm. boost and helped them win was the left uh the flyover states that everybody forgot um now they're feeling a little bit of heat here because the tariff war has caused some problems for farmers because their big export is china china obviously retaliated with tariffs um causing problems for the farmers i know the president has said that he's going to subsidize some of the burden uh and help the farmers out and you know, it just seems, is this the right move for the fact that we're basically just paying ourselves, you know, out of trouble, you know, by giving subsidies to the farmers and, you know, just kind of. Well, we're going to pay for it one way or another. And here's how I feel about the tariffs. Um, I spent time in China myself mm-hmm. and I went quite a few times. I went be- when they first opened up to the West, opened up tourism. I was one of the first to go and um, literally, uh, I was there actually right before the Tiananmen Square incident when the man stood up in the mm-hmm. tanks. Um, didn't see any other Westerners there except at the hotel, one hotel they had. China, and they were all on bicycles at that point, and they were also is still in their gray, blue, and black outfits. Mm-hmm. So China has been communist for a long time. Right. They were communists, and I spent a lot of time going to Hong Kong, the mecca of electronics uh, back in the day. And now we see all these protests in mm-hmm. Hong Kong. And we have a lot of interest there as well, and a lot of businesses in China. But China was communist before they opened their doors to tourism. 
they were communists when they acquired Hong Kong back from the UK uh, in, in a treaty, and they are communists today. So it's not just about the trade. China, if first of all, their human rights violations, and I've done many short shows on this, are horrific. Uh, they do have what they call uh, educational camps or work camps. Right. No, they, yep. are, they are horrible. Uh, they have forced abortions now on minorities. They used to have the one-child law for their own citizens. Now they are forcing abortions on minorities like the Uyghurs in um, what was once Turkestan that they invaded and occupied just like Tibet. So there's a lot of horrible, they're also doing this to Christians and not forced abortions, but a lot of abuse to Christians. They've jailed some pastors. I mean, China is not a friend. No. They are, I think, one of our I biggest enemies. You. I think they're they're a long-term enemy where Iran right now is more of an immediate enemy. Right. China is a long-term. And so for the tariffs, which is really, I, I understand with the farmers, the breadbasket of our country, I mean, we lose farms every day and it's really sad. Um, I just think we have to be, we have to help those communities to hold on, those farming communities, because the long game is we cannot be a slave to China and we have been a slave to China. We have gave them a lot of aid over the years and $15 billion deal over the years, it's been reduced, but we're still sending them millions now every year. At the same time, we had to borrow a lot of money from China and nobody said, oh, let's offset what we send you in aid to what we're borrowing. So we're not, they're not double dipping. They're basically, right. you know, it's a double dip. Uh, the other thing is they are, they have manipulated their currency for a long time to undermine to us financially in trade. They also uh, have stolen a lot of our intellectual properties. Right. They've hacked into our satellites. They have built islands in international waters. They've gone into Venezuela. You know, they're trying to get their hooks. They're in Africa. They're in uh, now getting their hooks in Asia and the Middle East, as well as now South America. And believe me, they had their eyes on Greenland long before Trump ever said anything. It's not a mis it's not by accident that Trump just threw that out there. It was kind of a ploy because China has been eyeing Greenland. Years ago, my father was stationed in Greenland, I think in the 60s, 50s or 60s there before my time. But I, I remember the stories. He was stationed there. That Greenland is so close to our shores. Uh, now we we hear talk of, uh, of of China maybe making a deal with Cuba. Cuba's fifty miles off of our shore. This and and China wants to go in and help the Bahamas with relief. Do we real? That's the one that's fifty um, miles off of our shore. And but Cuba as well. Um, this is a problem and we really need to wake up because China has already infiltrated our schools, our universities and educational institutions with uh, Confucius Institutes. And we finally, there, there's been a lot of work to get rid of some of these and some of the colleges. Well, one of the latest was in Southern Florida to get rid of a Confucius Institute. And if we wonder why our youth are coming home sounding like, you know, socialists, Mm -hmm. That's one of the big reasons. I don't think China is good. I, you know, I served in the military. I, I've been, you know, I think they're, I, I almost think 
that we should have never opened the doors to them. We should have never said, hey, you know, let's become this big trade partner. It's you're making you knew they were communists when you decided to open the doors to China. It was just a and I think it was Bill Clinton actually opened the doors to China, if, if I'm correct. Like to the, or he expanded it. In 80, um, it was like in 86 when, 1986, when China started opening up their doors. That's when I first went to China. And yeah. uh, I knew it was communist then, um, right. but it was like this thing that I wanted to see. But uh, I have not gone to China very often since then. No, I'm not wanting to put one dime in their coffers. I've mm -hmm. been to Hong Kong many times. I've been to Macau. But China, and I refuse to go today, and I've yeah. had opportunities because, oh, no, I'm going to buy my American products here, made in America. The American companies that have gone over, listen, they pay their workers $2 an hour. So at the same time, left wants to play patty cake with these people, and and then they they whine about you know oh uh, they Minimum want fifteen wage, fifteen dollars an hour fifteen dollars an hour right. when they send like Nike goes over then with Kaepernick as their spokesperson or their face of Nike goes over to China where they're paying two dollars an hour for their workforce there that are living in squalor how does this settle with people I just don't get it. Because people are comfortable. People don't care when they put their shoes on in the morning that some kid in China made it for $2 an hour. Think about the way society is here in America now. You know, people just, it's always a rush. People, everybody's business is more important than the next person's, you know. It's, it's changed a lot. I think China is a major threat. I think China is more of a threat than Russia because oh, Russia, yeah. after they broke down, and they're still communist. They're communist light now, I would say. But they're still... Terrible. Oh, Putin's still KGB. Right. right, still working it like it was back yeah. in the old day. But China is emerging. They have, I mean, big time, you know, major towers going up everywhere. They are spending like crazy. They're uh, now the second largest economy in the world. They've surpassed Japan as far as economically. That's a problem. That's a threat. I, I know something has to be done. I just don't know if this trade war, how long can this trade war go on where our farmers are hurt? Before we have to, like, what is the next move? That we don't, we don't know what the next move. Well, is. we don't want a war. We don't want to have a war with China. No. Uh, without America, here's the deal, and this is why it's like, oh, you know, I don't know. We need to do something to help those communities. I, I, you know, I know that. Maybe we need to have some some big fundraisers or something. But the thing is, with China, they, without America, they're nothing. Mm -hmm. There, nobody else spends as much as Americans do. Right. We're a and nobody else nation. purchases. We're a consumer nation. The world knows that. You go to Europe, they're used to small cars. You don't get this honking, you know, super size side of beef. You get a little piece of meat, you know, you get your vegetables and, and everything. Uh, we've become a glutton society of goods, whether food or goods. We like, we like you know, everything big big right. cars, big food, big super sized drinks. Um, and it and it's hurting us. And the thing is that China knows that. But with, so I think holding their feet to the fire is a good thing because without America, their economy will sink as well. And Trump knows this. Mm -hmm. He knows this. And you know they they are um, pushing all these tariffs on us. Right. And, I, and so I just feel we need to do something for our farmers 
believe me, it, I, I know that it's, it's, it's heart wrenching. I don't know where we, where we cut, you know, cut that line. Like where, I'm not a is, farmer. What so. is, my question is like, what is the end game? You know, like, I just want to know what the end game is, but obviously we can't know. Cause then, it, you know, he's playing his showing his hand. I get it. But you know, I hope that this thing is successful. I hope that this works. And I, I hope that we could get out of the whole idea of tariffs. I'm not a big fan of tariffs, you know, with our, especially with our allies. I mean, there was a time where you started talking about putting tariffs on Canada, goods from Canada yeah, and Mexico. Yeah, was putting and, tariffs on us for, right. you know. There should be zero tariffs. Everything should be open free trade. And if we don't think that what China's doing is good, why do we even trade with them to begin with? I'm sure the people in Vietnam who is actually – uh, feuding with China would yeah. welcome us. They you would. Know, things are different now. We're not at war with them anymore. They're they're open. trying very hard. Right. The Vietnamese and, are trying very hard to bring. They're open the trade with us too. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, exactly. let's shift. Let's shift. Shift they our products somewhere else. They would love those jobs. They would love those jobs. Yeah. Absolutely. But we've become that we have to stick to this China because China is so big and so vast. China causes the most pollute, puts the most carbon in the air. And, you know, we're talking about climate change and, and all these green new deals, but yet it's okay to trade with China who pollutes and destroys the planet worse than anybody else. You know, there's a lot of hypocrisy in this and, uh, you know, you know, no, we don't want another war. We don't want to go to war with China. We don't want to go to war with anybody. We're trying to end our wars currently. And we've just seen the Taliban, uh, President Trump was going to have a meeting with the Taliban. Uh, hopefully make a peace negotiation between us, the Taliban, and the Afghan government. Now, I've served overseas. I've been in the region. I, it's, you know, we don't need to be there forever. There has to be an end to this war. I get it. But now, the Taliban messed up. Now, it's like, how do you uh, uh, negotiate a peace deal when they're still killing Americans? How, uh, where do we go from here, Deborah? Uh, where, where, where's, the end, where, where's, what's the next move? Uh, you know, like you said, and, and I spent seven years living in the Middle East, Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's a complicated place. You have talk about tribalism. Right. You've got well, tribes, <laughs> a lot of tribes, different tribes, which affects the hierarchy of everything. You've got tribes that actually aren't so friendly with each other and everyone's trying to gain power and, and position. Um, Afghanistan, you know, the French were in there, the English were in there. The Russians were in there, and now we're in there, and we've been there a long time. Nobody has succeeded in Afghanistan. I had no. the privilege last year of meeting the um, former crown prince of Afghanistan, and he actually died a few months after I met him. Uh, really sad, you know, hearing mm. his story. He wrote a great book about the lost kingdom, and I met him in Washington, D.C., but Poor Afghanistan, it has such a wealth of history. Mm -hmm. You know, the Silk Road went through Afghanistan, uh, but the Taliban, I think, destroyed many of their historic, you know, monuments and, and uh, museums and things like that. Their human rights violations are horrific. The women have been tortured. Oh, that's terrible. It's terrible. It, it, it's a real, it's a real... I don't know, a pit of, for extremism, a lot of extremism. And what's really sad, and I think it's the fight's going to have to come from within and from neighboring countries and from other Islamic groups. This is, after all, 
uh, a country that is Islamic, they are extremists. They don't necessarily practice what other Muslims practice. We've seen ISIS go through who are extremists as well and decimate Iraq and Syria. Uh, we've seen, you know, the Kurds and the Yazidis uh, really take a beating from, from ISIS. And we've lost so many of our men fighting ISIS in, in the Middle East and also in Afghanistan. I just think Afghanistan, yeah, I don't, I don't um, criticize Trump for giving it a try. He's willing to try anything at least once. Talk to anybody to see if he can negotiate something once. But this point, and, and it was kind of bad timing. I don't know who set that up, but it was going to be a 9-11 anniversary, which really the optics would have looked really bad. Nice. But um, regardless, I think he's always willing to try to reach across the aisle and say, hey, can we talk? Why? Do we have to, you know, be in this place? Can we do something better? And unfortunately, I think he's realized with the Taliban, you know, one time, okay, give it a try, see if it'll work. After that, sorry, the deal's off. These are thugs. They are thugs well, in the Middle East. They're, they're a terrorist organization. Mm -hmm. uh, they supported Al-Qaeda when uh, and gave them haven and training uh, grounds uh, when they had control of Afghanistan. They came into power, of course, after the Russians got kicked out. Yeah. Uh, it, this goes back to my interventionist ideal. I, I don't have a, I will defend this country anytime it asks. I, I don't regret anything I've done in my life. I served in Iraq. I would have to say that was probably not a necessary invasion that we should have focused on the Afghanistan problem and used all of our forces to eradicate these people 20, you know, 10, 15 years ago, yeah. where we decided to split forces and open up a second war, probably wasn't in our best interest. This Afghanistan problem maybe wouldn't be there. I don't know why this, you know, it's a very complicated region. We're probably never gonna be able to solve the problem. At some point, do we just say, listen, uh, we gave it our best. Uh, hopefully the Afghan government stays, you know, is able to keep power and we gotta go home. Or, I mean, because now that the, there could be an excuse of, well, we just need to keep our troops. Look how long the troops have been in the Koreas. Look how long we've had people in, in, uh, in uh, Japan, in Okinawa. Uh, they've been there since World War II. I mean, we have troops point, in Europe as well. Right. In know. Germany, still, we still have troops yeah, there. Yeah, we still. You mm -hmm. know, so, at what point do our troops come home? And is Afghanistan just the next base that's never going to end and shift and come home where we could close it and say we did our job and that's enough is there well, going to be a point i don't know you know um growing up in the military and living in europe as a child growing up as a peacekeeping force in the military uh i i think it's okay for us to have a presence in places that have been hotbeds i mean after all we are a nation that is a beacon of hope for the world um, regardless of what the left thinks america people want to come so bad because of our liberties and freedom and democracy that is being eroded by the left yeah. but they want to come here so bad we were created unlike any other country and we are a beacon of hope we're that shining light on the hill so as much as I hate war, we want to avoid war, I don't really have a problem if, if we keep in certain hotbeds in the country as long as most of the people there welcome us and I'm, um, you know, to have a peacekeeping force because that's the way the world sees us. Uh, so 
for Afghanistan, yeah, the Taliban may not want us there, but I'm sure my son, so here's a quick story. My son, one of his best friends growing up, is from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. His father and older brother were killed by the Taliban. The mother, three older sisters, his friend, and the youngest brother all were taken as refugees to Pakistan. They had to work for three years at a, a rag, they said rags, I think it was rugs, um, making factory. And then they were given finally refugee status to come here to the US. And they ended up here where I live now. And my son met him in junior high school. Now think about this, they lost three years of school. Mm-hmm. The three sisters, the two of them have graduated from law school here. The father's gone, the sisters, the family support each other, you know, they support the family. I think the third sister is in law school now. Um, My son's friend uh, also, I think he's finishing college right now. Um, I took his friend when they were like, I think in eighth grade to Washington, D.C. when they finally got their citizenship. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm from, D.C. My family's there, so took him there. And we went to all the museums and I said to him, now this too is part of, this is our national treasure. And now this too belongs to you. They work so hard to get here. And I think that is the story of a lot of people. When you think of of some of these people and what they've been through, like from Afghanistan, um, they want liberty, they want freedom, they want opportunity. And I think to have a peacekeeping force so that we don't see cells like al-Qaeda, like Afghanistan, which Yemen also, where I lived in Saudi Arabia, down by Yemen, in the Saudi side, but down by Yemen, is a hotbed for training terrorists. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the scary thing. Until we get people from that region who are willing to fight against this, uh, we can't have another 9-11 on our soil. I don't want to see another 9-11 anywhere. Nobody does at all. And listen, my my father himself is an immigrant. Uh, You know, my great grandparents fled Germany first after World War II. My grandfather actually got stuck in East Germany, had to sneak out into West Germany, go through. uh, He went through a trade school and was able to come to America and with my father and my grandma. I actually went through East Germany when the wall was up. I was nine nine years old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was scary. I still remember it. (laughs) So it's, you know, they, yes, America is a place of beacon of light. And the only thing is this, these, these wars are super expensive. Okay. They cost American lives. Uh, The China tariff war, super expensive. The national debt is at 23, approaching $23 trillion. Now you ran for uh, a congressional seat. Um, So, and there was a time where the conservatives and the Tea Party movement was all about stop the spending, eradicate this national debt, control the spending. You don't hear that anymore. Um, it's disappeared. The whole talk about it has disappeared. They lifted the debt ceiling uh, for the next two years and increase. You know, so now there's no ceiling or cap on spending. How sustainable is this long term? And at it's what not point- sustainable. It it's not sustainable. This. Yeah, but but we have to remember. Trump came in to office with a mess on his hands under Obama, who doubled our debt of all presidents combined. He doubled the debt. 
but he didn't double it in programs that were benefiting Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we when we think about our military was getting depleted, we had pilots, we had squads of 14, and only two pilots were flying because they were piecemealing, spending more time working as mechanics than pilots, piecemealing from graveyards, planes. Uh, we had, um, you know, our economy was in the tank. There was right. no job creation. There was no, uh, and... <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, people don't like to to think about this, but Obama was the deporter in chief. He deported yeah. more people than Trump ever has, and he, he was shipping people out left and right. That costs money. Yes. Uh, he also was caging people and children. Uh, now we have this Am- onsla- amnesia. amnesia, amnesia, amnesia. Absolutely, Trump spent. I mean, Obama spent, and we had our our veteran administration was a disaster. Uh, with so many things were wrong under Obama, and he was trying to make all these legacy-type deals that ended up blowing in our face. Look at the $500 billion Solandra deal that there's nothing. There's nothing to show for it. It blew up. I call it his slush fund. Where did the $500 million go? Where? We had also about the same amount missing, I think it's in the billions, from the Pentagon. Where did that go? That was during Hillary Clinton's time. We had a lot of money uh, that suddenly was disappearing left and right uh, during Obama's era. Uh, I don't know what happened to it. I just know the slender thing was a big bust. So he was spending money on programs and things that didn't work. And now Trump came in and he's had to rebuild our military. He grew our economy. He had to, you know, rebuild our infrastructure infrastructure if you go around the country airports are being built um all over being expanded and built i know where i live our airport has grown like leaps and bounds because we were only uh, capable of handling 10 million a year and we were handling up to 25 million a year so we couldn't hold we couldn't deal with the capacity of people traveling in and out of our airport became a nightmare. And now our airport is ahead of schedule. It's big, it's beautiful. It's uh, really gonna bring, it's brought a lot of jobs and bringing more jobs into the city I live. But a lot of our infrastructure has really been dilapidated. I travel overseas a lot. The airports are beautiful, they function. And ours looked like shambles, Hmm. our roads. So we're building bridges, we're doing things. Where Obama let these things fall to the wayside. Remember, we talked about Detroit. Detroit was bankrupt, bankrupt. So who was helping bail them out? You know, we, the government, the government. So it's, it's, the thing is, so we have to, we have to undo and fix a lot of those problems, which takes money. But I believe the end game is to fix things and then have programs in place to stop bleeding America. I want to just know that there is going to be an end of the spending craze. And and the problem is if we if 2020 comes around and the the uh, there are more people like the uh, the AOCs, the you know Omar's, you know, that come into pl- uh, power on the left and the Democratic Party eradicates away more these big agenda deals like the Green New Deal, um, 
is going to get pushed. $16 trillion dollars that, uh, yeah. that, that Bernie Sanders quoted. They were each asked how much it would cost, and it went from $5 trillion, and Bernie Sanders was $16 trillion. Plus, he wants free health care for all. He wants free college tuition. Right. Yeah. And, you know, all these freebies, where's the money coming from? And that's the thing that scares me is you got that being pushed on the one side. The other side, um, nobody's talking about the national debt as a problem right now. And that concerns me to the fact that if the left wins, we're pretty much screwed. That's just going to grow un uncontrollably. And if the other side wins, when does it end? Is it like if they regain control of the House and maintain control of the Senate, are we going to actually reduce the national deficit? How, how long is this going to take? Is this going to be an eight-year term and we're going to be at $30 trillion by the end of it? That's, you know, I'm worried about the spending because at some point it's going to cripple our economy. We had the housing bubble burst back in 2008. I remember I it well. I, I don't want the, the, yeah. the national debt to burst. And then, you know, by the time my kids are going to college, because I got three, I don't want, uh, you know, us to be in a bad situation where, you know, how do I send them to school? I got no money. You know, where does that end? You know, I really do believe that President Trump is um, fiscally, you know, he conservative. Uh, I think he wants to fix America and get America back on track and back on our game. And uh, I think hopefully, I believe, and I really hope he wins in 2020 because I think he's on the right track. And bringing jobs back and bringing heads, jobs heads exploded here. again. By the way, you said that you know, Trump wins. Somebody's heads Trump wins. Oh, oh somebody's yeah, heads yeah. exploded again. I, I so. think more than one. I think a lot of, <laughs> a lot of heads are exploding. Yeah. But uh, if, frankly, I don't trust the Democrats. They also want fifteen dollars an hour of you know right dictating the business how much they have to pay their employees. Right, which will sink a lot of mom and pop shops and will sink companies That's coming here. To create more jobs, the big and corporations that's not what we want. The big corporations who support the Democrats are pushing that plan because they want they could they could survive that. The small stores down in your small town, small village, wherever you live, you know, hey, Tom owns the uh, the the, hard, the hardware shop. You know, that's gone. Now it's Home Depot, Lowe's, or very few Aces left even, and that's it. You can't find a regular hardware store. It's true. And whatever ones are left are going to get destroyed you can't they can't survive hey these, bed and, bath and, and beyond are, is owners. closing and, and, and i'm i'm just i'm so sad about that the only well beto base um bezos uh you know uh, amazon is getting wealthier and wealthier by the second i use them too um we need, We're all we guilty need of it. yeah we need another amazon they, he shouldn't have a monopoly on the market so some of these companies uh, closing, maybe think about joining together and starting another Amazon delivery, you know, program. But it is really, really sad. I I walk around. We have these beautiful malls, and we're seeing, yeah, doors shut. But at the same time, we do know that uh, Trump is bringing a lot of jobs back to America. But here's another thing: Trump jobs are also going to China because they pay two dollars an hour. Right. The the, the job like reports since he's been elected, have definitely been better. The employment is yeah. super low. You know, like I said, some things I like that he's done because it's, and I want this country to be successful. I may not agree with everything, and that's okay. And I think that should be okay. I think we all should be able to have a discussion and talk about these things without saying, if you don't believe what I believe in, I'm sorry, we can't be friends. You know, that 
type of mentality has become like people don't even sit down at dinner, you know, together at Thanksgiving time, no politics allowed, you know, like because it'll get dangerous and bloody, you know, if if, if you start yeah. bringing up politics at the table. It's and, a different time for sure. Friends and family members have right. been split apart because of the the vitriol and the disdain that has been created, I believe, mostly by the mainstream media for particularly our president. And I think a lot of that comes from the, you know, Hillary didn't win. She was the chosen right. one, basically, because Obama kind of took her spot. That was hers to win, and they chose him over her. So that was kind of a blood deal. Have I you think. noticed that there's an, another choice being made right now? Because uh, I've been keeping up to date with the debates and, and watching them all. And I've noticed Elizabeth Warren has made a substantial jump in the polls. And Bernie's slipping. She's yep. sucking Bernie supporters, and she's sucking uh, Kamala Harris. Oh, Kamala yeah, she's she got, at seven percent. Yeah, and you know what? And here's something: uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I like some of the things she says, and I strongly disagree with her real socialist uh, uh, ideas and plans. But she is a veteran. She is somebody who is still serving this country. I trust her more than any of the other Democrats that are running right now. So I actually kind of like a lot of what she's done. And she gave Kamala Harris a punch to the jaw, basically, during that debate. Yeah. And now she's not allowed to be in this next debate. And if you can't tell me that the Democratic Party is picking and choosing their winners, not the people, you're crazy. Because we all saw what happened. Kamala took a dive in the polls. Tulsi has been you know, hanging around that 2%. She has the numbers and the money to get in this debate, but she's not allowed in the debate. And I don't know if anybody else has been paying attention to that. And that is an absolute shame. And if you are a Democrat, you got to see this. They are picking who they want, not the people. The people are supposed to be the ones that influence who runs for president and who gets elected president. And that party themselves are doing it again. They did it with Hillary and Bernie. They did it with Obama and Hillary. They pick. Yep. They said it was Hillary's time. Bernie, honestly, because they had the superdelegate uh, uh, that superdelegates could do whatever the hell they want, which is crazy. I, I don't even understand how that works. Yeah. But Bernie technically probably should have won that nomination, but the super delegates gave it to Hillary. So they pick and choose. Have you yeah, noticed? Yeah, they're, wor they're worried about Russia collusion, uh, which Obama <laughs> knew was going on for a long time before Trump ever got involved in in politics. Uh, they have the they had their own collusion in their own party because Hillary. It was all supposed to be Hillary's in two thousand eight, and came this. A uh, junior senator that nobody ever heard of before, right. former community organizer, popped into the scene because the Democrats decided it was more important to have a black man versus breaking the glass ceiling for a woman. The women should have been outraged about this. But because he was black and he's only half black, and I love to say this, I'm as much Latino as he is black. You know, I'm actually one half Latino. So my mother is Spanish, 100% Spanish. She's from the DR. Um, so the thing is, they they decided to play the the race card and play the race baiting over the woman card. And I think my women have had a tough, tough. They've had a tough, a long time. And long they still have a tough time. Still have it tough in this country. We have seen 
women leaders in other countries. Look at Merkel right now. We've had Margaret Thatcher. We've had Golda Meir. We've had so many other um, women leaders in countries that actually are surprising, like Mahatma Gandhi. I mean, and yet America can't get one, and they should have had one. It was Hillary's to win, and frankly, I think Hillary then would have been a better Hillary than this last go around. Uh, I think Hillary would have been a better president than Obama. But the Democrats decided women still aren't good enough. We're going to choose a man because he's black. And that basically, I'm sorry to say, is why Obama was selected by the Democrats. And they did everything in their power to make sure he was going to win. He was their messiah. Now, and this think, is not being a race baiter. This is not being a hate speecher. I'm just a, this is a fact. Right now, do you think that uh, there was a female uh, mayor who's now running uh, candidate here in New York that is now running for Congress, uh, Nicole Malatakis? She ran against De Blasio in this last mayoral election here in New York, and right then and there, New York City has never had a female mayor ever in history. She's a great candidate, but because she's not a Democrat and she doesn't support, because de Blasio is a terrible mayor. He got a terrible turnout, but still managed to be because New York City has no Republicans or independents that vote that way anymore left in the city. It's very rare. Only certain areas, Staten Island or part of Queens. Um, but yeah, that was an opportunity to elect the first New York City mayor. If you had a uh, female, prominent female Republican candidate running right now against a man on the Demo uh, Joe Biden or Beto O'Rourke, whatever, they will still not vote for the first female because she's not in line with the left's agenda. They, she doesn't fall in line with the script. There's a script that you must follow. I say this really honestly about both parties, but I think it's worse on the one side. Where if you don't follow the script, you're out. You have to follow the talking points all the time. Um, I think we will see a woman president from the Republican Party. Uh, I I have a couple in mind, as a matter of fact. I think we will after Trump's eight years. I believe he will be reelected because the economy is doing well. We may take a little hit and, and have a recession after the election just because of the way the market has grown so fast. People cry right now about, oh, when the, when the market goes up and down. Uh, remember, it was only at 19 Right. At the beginning of this whole venture. Yeah, and it's now like a 25 or 26. So right. the market has grown. You're still getting a lot of more money than you did in your 401k and your IRA. So, you know, people are, are doing much, much better than they were. But I believe we will see. We got to let he's the incumbent. We got to let him go forward. But I think we will see a woman and I hope we will see a woman soon. And I that's another I thing you brought up about the women. I ran against mostly men, and it was a man who won. So all those liberals out there who right. like to say she was a failed candidate, um, it is still hard for us to win. And it's not because of being Republican. You know, I asked this to Matt Schlapp, head of the the um, the Conservative Political Action Committee. I asked him this about three years ago. Why don't we see more women in the Republican Party when Nancy Pelosi was saying we're a party of a bunch of old white men? <clears throat> Well, it looks like a couple old white men at the top of the ticket right now for the Democrats. But he said it's changing. And I thought this was a great answer. He said, but most conservatives are faith-based people. And so they put God, 
family, and work, politics, whatever, on the third tier. So God, family first, and then politics. And often when their kids get older, they get into politics. We're seeing now more women like Sarah Sanders did, like Kellyanne Conway did, like Nikki Haley did, you know, get into that, politics, having younger children. That is, I think, where you were going, if I, my guess is correct about Nikki Haley, because I'm a big fan of her. I yes. like her a lot. I... I think I named is. her Mar the Margaret Thatcher <laughs> of America when she um, first got that position. Yeah, and uh, she is phenomenal. If, if she decides to run, I'm uh, I'm a fan of her. I like her a lot. Um, well, we went over a little bit on our time, but uh, <laughs> uh, please do me a favor. Tell uh, my guest where they could follow you. I can't. How they can, can watch we just some of talk stuff? one more thing, and yes. you can edit things out about the transgender. Because we're talking about women, I sure. quickly wanted to say, you know, the transgender issue has been explosive, and it's it's really sad. Once again, women are taking a back seat to men. We love our men. I have a son. I have a husband. I've got brothers uh, and a father who is no longer with us. But the fact is, and this isn't being homophobic or transgender phobic, but transgenders are not biological women, and now transgenders are. Go, you know, competing against women and young girls in sports, which I and they're winning every competition. This can only derail and deflate these young girls and young women. And I think we really need to address that. Women have taken enough, young girls have taken enough. It's been a long, hard journey for women, and the feminists and the Me Too movement say nothing and stay silent about it. So that's just something I want us to, you know, kind of be looking at that that we need to speak out as women and say, we're not gonna allow our young daughters and, and young women to once again be minimized by men, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm not anti-male. I just want, <laughs> you know, fair is fair, right? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that, especially with competition sports. Uh, I hear Joe Rogan bring it up a lot on his podcast. Uh, uh, Shapiro brings it up from time to time. And they've talked about, you know, what what are some of the solutions? How to how to because women are once again put at a disadvantage in competitive sports against, you know, like you said, uh, biologically stronger, uh, faster, you know, um, taller, bigger, bigger bone density. Uh, I mean, you're talking about like powerlifting competition. I think it was yeah. an Australian. Is I think it was someone from Australia that was transgender, uh, won the female uh, deadlift competition. I mean. Those are things that men typically, uh, it's easier for them to do. So there needs to be some discussion. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, it, do you have a suggestion? Uh, do you, I mean, is it, is it, I've heard it been um, thrown around to have like sort of like a neutral, uh, like, you know, you have male sports, women's sports, and then open sports to could be men, women, or transgender people, which I think it could be an option. Um, but then, you know, because, they want to call them, Wait. you know, we have several several different groups. We have different genders. Okay, then let the genders or who you identify with compete with each other. I like the open thing. Let whoever wants to compete, compete. But keep, keep the men's sports and women's sports sacred and have an open sport situation. And then, you know, it's uh, anybody's uh, game. Right. Now, there's, because um, I think men can't play certain women's sports anyway but women could play some men's sports if like a uh, baseball or uh football that you know for you know there's women kickers and football and they're trying to integrate it that way but 
men can't go play women's soccer or you know because unless it's, they're it's, transgender so right. they and actually are so, right well that's where the, that's where the discussion needs to be yeah uh, because that's how it you know currently is so but um please tell uh my guests where they could follow you uh watch your show you have a live stream on on uh, billy periscope to, and you have a youtube channel please tell us about it Yes, so you can follow me on Twitter at Debbie A. Aldridge, A-L-D-R-I-C-H. I'm also, yes, I live stream, and you can also see my show on Twitter. It usually feeds into Twitter, but I also have a YouTube channel. And I'm also on Creative Destructive Media, so CD Media. You can find Creative Destructive Media on Twitter. Also, we have a website, and most of my shows are uh, on that website as well. So... Yes, please reach out to me, follow me, and um, love to have you on my show sometime, Kevin. This has been would, a lot of fun. Really, would, really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. I, I would love to come on. I just want to remind uh, my guests, to, if you are following the show or listening to this podcast, go to American Liberty on Facebook, like the page. Currently, we are doing a promotional thing. If you go to the Facebook page, like the page, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel. You get entered in the Amazon gift card giveaway. Uh, that it will be a drawing and you could win some money. So please uh, go to the YouTube channel and subscribe, like the Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at Kev Wormhold. And we have an American Liberty Twitter handle as well, American Liberty Podcast, which falls under American Liber 11. That's the name that Twitter decided to make for me. Um, and I can't change it. So you get the 11 at the end. But I want to thank you again, Debbie, for coming on. I love having a discussion. You know, it, there needs to be more of this platform where people talk to each other about these current issues and actually have an open discussion. I wish more. De I reach out to Democrats all the time to come on. Nobody wants to come on and have a I've discussion. I've only had like because, two in the, the couple of years I've been doing this. I've only had two, but hey, it was a great discussion. It's hard, but it's good to, if that's what we need to do. We need to have the open dialogue. There's not enough open dialogue. And I appreciate what you do because what you do is you spread your uh, message and you talk to people and get into some of the issues that affect everybody. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank my guests once again for listening. And uh, Debbie, I'll come on anytime you want. Thank you very much for coming on today. All right. Thanks. It's a date.